Greetings, Exponential family, and welcome to The Hub. Uh, my name is Bill Kokenauer. I'm part of the Exponential team, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this book tour episode of A Field Guide for Genuine Community. And uh, I'm genuinely excited to be here today with the author, uh, who is not only the author of this uh, handbook, but also a, a friend of mine, Ben Conley. Ben, good, good to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Bill. It's really good to do this, and I'm I'm honored to specifically get to do this conversation with you. So, thanks. Uh, this, yeah, looking forward to. It. For those of you that don't know, Ben is the director of Equip equipping and planting for Soma Family of Churches and also Saturate. Uh, he's currently co-planting Salt and Light Community in Fort Worth, Texas, and he's co-authored uh, other books, including A Field Guide for Everyday Missions, a Saturate Field Guide, and a Gospel Fluency Handbook. He's married to Jessica, and they have three young kids and uh, occasionally short-term foster children as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, good. Good Good to have you with us. Before we jump into the book, though, tell us a little bit more about your your role with um, Soma Family Churches and Saturate for those that, that may not be familiar with, with both of them, because they're, they're two separate um, organizations. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So Soma Family of Churches, both Soma and Saturate were started by my friend Jeff Vanderstelt over a course of years now, a longer time ago than, than I think of often. Um, but Soma was a family of churches, is a family of churches largely shaped around a shared philosophy that uh, now is a little bit more, more popular and accepted called missional communities um, and, and really valuing ministry and discipleship in the everyday stuff of life as much as um, valuing Sundays. Um, so Soma is a family of churches. And then over the first few years of Soma's existence, um, many Soma pastors and leaders were asked to help train and resource uh, churches outside of Soma. And so Saturate started initially to be a, a resources and resourcing and training organization to, to kind of serve the, the not not the not Soma churches. Soma yeah. is more, specifically the rest of North American church. Yeah. So good long relationship with with Exponential um, and and. Yeah, that's kind of where we are today. Yeah, not only exponential in general, but me um, personally. Um, and you may not even, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but, you know, we used to do, the learning communities would come through um, SOMA in Tacoma. Uh, yeah. as the second second of three gatherings. And um, back when, the, when they were uh, referred to as future travelers. And that was a very formative time for me personally. Um, in fact, there is a specific night in January, probably seven years ago now, uh, when Sandra Chamberlain came back in and, mm -hmm. and we were just hanging out. And it was right after the Lincoln High School had asked her to serve on the committee to select the next football coach and just how well they had loved that community. And and I literally, uh, uh, my wife and I had just recently moved back to Florida and I texted my wife, I can't go back to a normal church. And uh, she knew she knew what that meant. But uh, yeah, they've been uh, really powerful examples of what the church uh, can be and and you know just really a beacon of light I think for for all churches you know and what it looks like to um, to live out the mission of God yeah, yeah. I'm grateful grateful for the work that you've done that so yeah. so so you're planting now co-planting salt and light community mm -hmm. what does it, what does that look like you know you, you intentionally call it salt and light community for a reason. Right. Yeah. No, we just really like the name. We just kind of, you know, spun the roulette wheel and, and landed on salt and light. Um, no, that's, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. So I planted the city church in Fort Worth in 2009. And over the course of uh, the, the, well, I stepped out of my, my role there and handed it off in 2019. Um and over this past year, year plus, um, realizing we're, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and realizing there's a whole new mission field of folks who have moved to Texas from, d during COVID um, from the coasts and from, you know, frankly, places that are a lot more uh, high priced than, than, than Texas. Um, and so just realizing there's a whole new population moving into our city and into our area um, there's been a long joke among Texas ministers, kind of a joke, um, that no one in Texas is unchurched. They're just dechurched. And <laughs> A, that hasn't been true for a long time, but especially now during, you know, dur during this kind of influx of folks uh, more overtly from uh, from around the U.S. Obviously, we're in, we're in DFW. It's a global culture as well. Um, but that is certainly no longer true. There's a lot of unchurched or, or folks who have not heard the, the at least true gospel, uh, the truth of Jesus. Um, 
And so we planted a church during COVID um, with a little bit different of a, of a strategy. I've led church planting for Zoma and Saturate for five years, and we kind of had to throw the whole playbook out and plant it in a way that we've never trained on planting before. Um, but it's been a really sweet w- way to plant. It's been very, very relationship focused, very discipleship focused. Um, just, you know, I was, I was 12 years younger and, and less wise when we planted the first church. And so we're very structural driven, very like organizational thoughts and metrics we're leading out and planting in COVID means they're whatever metrics people assumed they're wrong, <laughs> whatever expectations people had, they were wrong um, because we planted in COVID. And so we just felt a lot of freedom to, to press into relationships and discipleship and, and really this sounds obvious, but, but sadly, I don't see it a lot in the church planning world, but, but we've really felt like we could really trust God to build the church, both with people and trust him with the organizational elements. If we're just faithful to, to yeah. relationships and discipleship. And I mean, you, you said you threw the, the whole book out of saturates. My guess is there were fundamentals in there that you really held on to. What yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing, and, and, and I, I want to get into the book because I'm guessing that, you know, that has kind of influenced even you know, the writing and timing of the book. And um, yeah. I, I was noticing field guys and handbooks are sort of your thing. <laughs> that, yeah, I have a, like, I have you, a is that how you set out, you know, I'm going to do field guides hand. Well, what are, what's, what's in your wiring that. Yeah, sure. I just, I just want to be the field guide guy, you know, um, <laughs> not at all. Um, so, my, so some of my background is in adult education and just recognizing in the same way, like we talk about this in the church. I don't know if we apply it as well in the church. But we certainly talk about in, in Christian education and training that the, the, the monologue delivery, the one-way delivery, we know is the worst way to learn. Um, and we learn better uh, as we discuss things. We learn even better than that as we actually practice them. We learn even better than that when we you know, teach them and, and, and on and on go the stats. Um, and so I, I believe in books. I read books. You know, I have the obligatory shelf of books behind me for Zoom calls. You don't. You have a kitchen behind you. Um, but, uh, but as much as I believe in them, the, the, same, the same is true for books. We, you know, we retain such a smaller percentage of what we just see on a page than what we actually engage with. Yeah. And so, so really, I've, I've, been, I've been honored that, that a few publishers have seen that same kind of perspective and been willing to let us kind of experiment with, with what would be a standard, you know, yeah. book format and, and make it a little bit more engaging, make it a little bit more, go practice this. Uh, you know, this book is written in 25 small chunks, ideally to be read one a day. So then they can kind of marinate for the rest of the day and put in practice and then come together at the end of a week to discuss. And yeah, the goal is just hopefully to, to get some deeper learning um, and some deeper experience. So there, yeah. there's my heart behind. It. Well, and, and, and it is, and I knew I knew that about you. You're you're um, you don't just want to get ideas out there that that would frustrate you. You want to see them actually put into practice. And, uh, and I love what um, I was I was reading uh, Ed Stetcher's quote. This book will serve as a tour guide for believers as they embark on a deep adventurous journey toward becoming the kind of community, the kind of family God desires. Is people to be i'm guessing that's pretty much what you wanted it wanted to happen i mean that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty cool endorsement from ed deep and adventurous are very kind words um but yeah hopefully this is a little bit more of a, a, a journey you know i love your tattoo you have bill the, the yeah. mountainous journey there uh, community has highs and lows and to really walk through this with a, a group yeah. of others who are desiring the same thing is, is certainly the desire more than just oh that's a good theoretical information yeah. And the timing of this seems to be really, I mean, just so God directed, you know, we, we, um, there was, I don't know if you remember or a few months ago where they were, I think they were calling it the Easter moon where Jupiter and Saturn were so close together the first time in 800 years. And it was really bright. And, and, um, my wife and I went out that night and really honestly naked eye wasn't any different the night before the night after, but you know, it, it seems like you got to be out on that night and we happened to walk down uh, on the causeway and it was packed. I mean, it, there, there were more people there than I'd seen in a long time, any holiday weekend or anything. And, and it dawned on me that through this pandemic, people are looking for something bigger. People are looking for something that um, like there, there is this, you know, we live under this illusion of control. And when that's taken away, and, and, and if you're not a person of faith, um, I, I think it has left people wondering. And so I'm, I'm wondering, um, like, how, how would you describe the fallout of, of the pandemic and 
you know, this, I mean, this seems to just be perfect timing for this book. Yeah. The, the, you know, we didn't, we didn't know that this was going to come out after a pandemic. Um, Moody Publishers published the, the field guide for genuine community. And, you know, I, 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 we entered into the agreement. I don't know the right way to say that, but we did that in, you know, December of 2019, I think. Um, and so I, I sat in a, in a chair right here, just, just off screen and wrote a book on community while the whole world was sheltering in place and isolated. And, and at first it felt really backwards. Um, but uh, over the couple months of writing, uh, it, it actually, the, the need for truly genuine community just increased, if I can use this word, exponentially. Um, and uh, let me rephrase that. The need for it didn't increase. People's willingness to acknowledge their need for it, I think, ex exponentially increased this past year. And so on one hand, I'll, I'll set a negative part first. I think that, that a negative aspect of COVID, which we're all seeing, this is nothing new, is... Um, we're having to learn how to reflex muscles that feel like they've atrophied. Um, what does it look like to engage in small talk? Uh, what does it look like to, you know, we're so used to, if we're interacting, it's for a scheduled set time like this over zoom, we have a start point, we have an end point learning to re-ask how, how are you um, beyond just the surfacey thing or to engage in small talk is, is new learning to be together uh, feels, feels foreign to us. And then especially when this last year has been characterized by not just isolation and separation, but, but so much division and so much conflict in this kind of stuff, it, it feels my perspective, we're, we're going to take a dip relationally before we come out of the, the, the depths of community or before we come out of the depths of separation, just because our only perspective of one another by and large for this last year has been seeing one thing that somebody said on Facebook that really made me mad. Um, and so as followers of Jesus, of course, we know we're supposed to, you know, Jesus breaks down every dividing wall, all the theory, all the theology, but, but there's been so much distance between us um, that I think the negative side of, of what we're experiencing right now is having to learn how to reflect those muscles and maybe some people not wanting to because they feel so offended or separated. Um, yeah, we've come really, we've become really binary. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you know one thing about that person, you, you, you assume all kinds of other things. Yeah. Yeah. Because of this single tweet, I, I know yeah. everything about you. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I wonder how, how good we were at community before COVID too, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, has COVID um, not only further atrophied what was already maybe weak muscles, mm -hmm. weak uh, abilities, but, but it does seem like it has shown a light on the the need for community like people i mean do you feel like people recognize the yeah. need for community now more than, yeah. than before yeah i do and if, so if the other was kind of the negative outcome of COVID, i think what you just mentioned is the the equal and opposite reaction um it seems like and this has been my experience i think you and i've chatted a couple times um in in the reverse role you're an advisor to someone and saturate and so usually i host you on webinars so we're, we're backwards today um but i know you and i've talked a couple times even the past year of exactly what you just said bill of um because nobody was okay it seemed to to allow people to say in a more overt or honest way than we have in a long time i'm not okay um and that being the, the fact that they're not okay has invited people to, to say, I actually need somebody else, whether it's to bring me groceries um, or whether it's to speak into my fear. This is true within the church, outside of the church. We're seeing this with neighbors. You know, we don't live in, in a fully Christian cul-de-sac um, here. And so like it's, it, it surpasses the church, but how much more is it true for the church that we're saying, yeah. I actually need you. Um, which again is, is always true, but, but I think what's happened in this past year is we've seen people be more willing to admit that are yeah. not for those. Well, we, we, we talked about the divisions, you know, the, and, and again, the, you know, and, and when each group plays to the extreme in that division, it, it seems to further divide it. I'm not sure we're as divided as, as it appears, but, but how how can you know followers? How can Christ followers um, be a community of, of hope in that division, like and, and not participate uh, in it? And again, the the other kind of uh, kind of unique thing about doing these live is I have a, a pretty significant lightning storm going on right now, and so I've just um, 
uh, I'm going to connect to uh, my iPad if I need to. So if I drop off for a second, I'll be right back. But hopefully I won't. But anyway, so so yeah. So on the divisions, I mean, I I think the church there's an opportunity here. But how does the, how does the church keep from getting caught up in that? Yeah. And and you know, and with what you've written here, how do some of the principles in here help us to become a real community that actually brings people together and yeah. even amidst those divisions? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, it's a huge question. Um, obviously the, 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 there are a few answers to it. Um, what immediately comes to mind is, uh, I, again, it, it doesn't sound like there's anything new in what I'm about to say, but like recognizing we are really truly each one part of a bigger body. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even, even if I can zoom out for just a sec, each church in, in your city, each church in my city, if we're willing to recognize like, we are this big of a slice of the pie of the entire church, then, then we recognize there's some things that are, you know, just to overly generalize, like that our, our Presbyterian and Pentecostal friends and sisters and brothers can learn from each other. Um, some things that, that, you know, all the different spectrums of slices of pie um, can learn from each other. Then, then there's, there's, there's a stronger body of Christ in, in my city, in your city. And, and if that's true of the, the broader church, how much more is it true of individual followers of Jesus? Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to picture sometimes what it would have been like in Jesus's first band of disciples where you had tax, uh, where you had a fisherman and a doctor. Um, so very yeah. different professions and even more so, tax collector, and then Simon the Zealot. And if, if we know anything about Zealots, we know they had one mission in life, and it was to kill off literally anyone who represented Rome. Like, tax collectors represent Rome. And, and there's part of me, Jesus in my mind is, is a little bit playful, maybe trending on sarcasm. Maybe that's overly attributing my own negative bent on Jesus. But, but in my mind, Jesus within the, 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 the godness of himself goes, Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector. Let's see how this is going to go, and 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 they become a, a beautiful, integrated into each other's lives part of Jesus's closest band of disciples. And you see Paul echo that when he talks about slave and free and male and female and Jew and Gentile and that kind of stuff. And that sounds beautiful, but man, that had to be so messy because yeah. it crossed all the cultural lines, all the barriers. Um, and if we can hold to that today, you know, and really actually learn what it looks like to, in a countercultural way, truly love our brother or sister, maybe even, could we do this, love our enemy? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we portray something that, that actually says the blood of Christ matters more than just on Sundays or just in my head or gets, you know, shelved the rest of the week. Um, but it truly does model the undeserved grace and undeserved love that Jesus first showed to us, even if we disagree with someone or are offended by someone else. That's, that's interesting. We, we don't often think about the diversity of the background of the disciples and, um, and what that would have been like to come together. I happened to be reading in Acts, I think it was 10 this morning, you know, with Peter and Cornelius, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, opening up how God was, you know, continuing to refine, Holy Spirit was continuing to refine his theology on, you know, on who was in and, and even what he needed to, to be able to, um, you know, to broaden his understanding of who was part of the family of God and, and the welcoming in there. And there was no, you know, no class, no second class uh, right. system that at all. Well, it, it, and there was to, to comment on that, just, there was such a risk in that, like for Cornelius to invite Peter in for Peter to, you know, yes. eat what was offered. And then to say like, Hey, this, this other socioeconomic and racial group that, that as Jews, as, as, as God's first covenant people have been yeah. told are not clean. Like there's such a risk there. And yet, and yet Peter, you know, obviously he had some, some special revelation from God in that, but, but similarly, I think ours is to enter into the same risk and be willing to maybe even offend some folks who look like us, think like us, that kind of stuff to, to pursue the breaking down of similar barriers. Yeah. And again, in that we realize how small any of our worldview is. Um, yeah. yeah. In, in, in this, I want to get into some of the specifics of the book too, because um, 
if, if anybody, well, first of all, anybody that's on the call, we want to include you in this conversation as well. So any any questions you have, go ahead and put them into the chat and, and Brooks will get them to uh, to Ben and myself and and love to get your questions uh, answered. Um, but it, it, the as I read the book, one of the things that occurred to me is there is a, um, it, it's more radical than it seems on the surface. Like, like this is, this is not just a kumbaya kind of, you know, while there are aspects of that, there, there are some, some hard truths, some difficult things, some things that even run, you know, counter to maybe what we have um, thought of in sort of community and church culture. But so what, what, what do you think is at the core that Christians so often miss about real community, about biblical community? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, so that was a huge question that I wrestled with because I, you know, I, I really wanted to get to the, the crux of that um, in this, in this field guide. Um, and so I think two things come to mind. One is community has become something we do um, in the same way that like we go to work, we then go to our community group. And so we can be a community for two hours a week and on, you know, on Wednesday night and a Sunday morning, and then we're not a community. It's kind of how many of us unintentionally, I think, look at it. Um, whereas if we realize the, the depth of who we are, which is which is truly a family, um, Dahadi Lewis, who's a friend of both of ours, uh, uses the term sibling-like responsibility as he mm-hmm. as he calls his church members to, to commit to one another. And, and there's something really beautiful about that phrase. And that that's who we are. Um, and it's not it's not something we really get to choose to be or not. We, we are, we are the family of God. And so we forget that that is a, that is a integrated piece of who we already are as followers of Jesus. That actually stems from the most, most true community in all of, you know, everything. And, and that's the, the triune God that there's father, spirit, and son, and they have distinct roles. If you want to play it out theologically and yet they operate fully in perfect unity. Um, and so if we are created in God's image to image forth that God, I can't do that by myself. You can't do that by myself. My wife just can't do that by herself. Um, we need one another to, to more fully image the, the beautiful different aspects of, of who God is to the world. Um, and I think the other thing on, on a so the, maybe the theological thing that we miss a lot, I think there's a cultural piece that we miss a lot too, where community is such a commonly used phrase um, that it can mean everything or nothing. Um, and yeah. so, you know, we can form a community for a few months around a softball team and then that community dissolves. Um, or what, what comes to mind often is uh, maybe some of us have had this experience where your senior year of high school, somebody signs the back of your yearbook, we'll be best friends forever kind of thing. And then two years later, whether you go to military or trade school or college or work or whatever else, you realize I haven't talked to that person that I was super close to in high school. And you realize, oh, we, we might've been only friends because there were only 400 you know kids my age in town. Um, and so it's a matter of convenience. And and I think if, if, that's, if that's kind of the common definition of community in our culture around us, th- then the church can just be one other community or a small group or missional, whatever we want to put on it, whatever label, it, it can just be another version of kind of a social community. And if that's the case, then again, unintentionally, we don't do this intentionally, but if that's the case, then we miss some of the depths of what God calls us to in a true familial community that surpasses any other definition and, and the bible does use familial imagery you know often um yeah. and, and you know we don't always uh, have the opportunity to choose you know we, some come from very difficult uh, family situations Absolutely. but um yeah. as, as we think about how the bible uses that image imagery what are what are some examples um that, that show how to live out that depth of relationship that goes beyond that relationship of convenience. And again, those, it doesn't mean there aren't real friendships and things like that, but, but it was more with similar interests with, you know, we were in a similar place in a similar time kind of thing. What, what is it that goes beyond that takes us beyond that? Yeah. Yeah. Or in the church often it's similar life stage or similar, you know, um, uh, interest, even, even within the church, we'll do a, we'll do a, 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 a 
a community for a few months and then we'll find a different community. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this bill, but there's, there's some folks who will stay in community only as long as kind of the cost benefit ratio works out for me. If, if, if you become too needy for me or the time yeah. becomes too much, then, then I'll, I'll disconnect and find another community. Yeah. So, so is part of it, the, the fact that I'm in community as long as it's feeding my needs yeah and, yeah, and and part of my needs might be to I need to serve somebody to a you know to a, at least to a, to a point, not to where it really you know right. you know begins to hurt me. I mean, is yeah. that is that part of it? Yeah, I think it is. It's 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 using community for our benefit, um, or I'll even make it more individual. It's using community for my benefit. Um, whereas again, the depth of community, th- there is a season, there's a season for receiving. And I want to be very clear not to swing the pendulum too far to, to misstate some things, but, but there are times when, when God calls us to, to give, there's other times when he calls us to receive. So that's, it's, it's okay. But, but if it's only ever to benefit me, then, then we're missing something. Um, I think that, that, you know, the scriptures, talk about, you know, you mentioned Acts 2 or you mentioned Acts earlier, but in in Acts 2, which is kind of a common phrase of what the church is or or what have you, um, there's a talk of literally sharing all things in common, being devoted to um, the apostles' teaching and and fellowship, which we can come back to that word in a minute. That's the closest word the Bible uses for community, but it doesn't mean what we often assume. Um, The prayers, the breaking of bread, everybody has all things in common, this kind of stuff. And um, there are some beautiful pictures in that. What would it look like, you know, if, if, uh, if, if we have a spare room in our home to, to make it a crash pad for folks who are in need? Uh, we had someone move into our house last night. He lives in that room and he's going to live there for a week while his own house is being renovated and that kind of stuff. And he was, he was, he was kind of nervous about asking like, Hey, I know y'all have done this in the past, but is it really okay? We're like, yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that doesn't happen as much, at least in our Western culture. And I'm not celebrating ourselves. It just happens to be that that happened last night in our house. Um, the one another commands, uh, which is really how Paul and other New Testament authors inspired by God uh, describe the living out of the Christian life. Um, we, we know this, but, but there, there's very rarely an individual command in the scriptures. Um, the, the you, Y-O-U in the New Testament is more literally translated. I get to be Texan here, but it's literally y'all. So y'all love one another, y'all rebuke one another. Um, and, and to have the boldness to on one side say, hey, I need some biblical wisdom or spiritual wisdom or just practical help. And on the other side to say, hey, I see something in your life that I don't know if if it is in line with the things you say you believe, can we have a conversation about it? Those things take such risk. Yeah. And, and the first word in Acts, or the first like image in Acts 2, that, that, that passage in 42 through 47, I think the word that gets skipped over most makes all the difference in the word. It says they're, they're, they're devoted to each other. Mm. Um, and I think that, that was a long way to get to, to answer your question. What's missing in the church? I think there's yeah. a level of devotion to one another and if we don't recapture that devotion, then, then we lose a lot of the, the motivation or the principle behind one anothering or sharing or speaking or, or, or that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's really, that's really powerful. Yeah, it is because it, that, that goes beyond what we feel in the moment. It goes beyond our own needs. It goes beyond what we, um, yeah, uh, uh, us being served. And, and uh, it's kind of like a, you know, a bit like a commitment in a marriage, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's the devotion that carries you for years and years and years. And, 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 and I hadn't thought about it till just now, but it, it's also the thing you just mentioned that without that, you miss the opportunity, you know, of some really amazing blessings. And I guess in a similar way, marriage is similar in that sense too. And that, that as you work through, issues because you're devoted to one another you you there are deeper levels of of intimacy deeper levels of of um things that you experience that you never could have in your first year of marriage or or in a marriage where people aren't devoted and uh, yeah that that's interesting i hadn't thought about that parallel in a really backwards way um if if you and i you know 
got to live in the same place. And I got to, if we were having this conversation on your, on your seaboard behind you, um, or on your seawall, uh, if, if, if I was going through something hard and I didn't invite you in to carry that burden with me, you know, mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, then, then somehow I'm disallowing you from living out mm-hmm. the fullness of Christian faith and discipleship. Right. And, and, and so right. often we're like, ah, oh, I don't want to burden folks. And, you know, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and what's mine is mine. What's your, what's yours is yours. And, and there's just this beautiful countercultural design that says both, I would receive the blessing of your help. And, and, and in good moments, I would receive the blessing of your joy alongside me. Um, and at the same time, you would receive the blessing of getting to, to, to more fully live into some of the, the ways that, that, that faith yeah. impacts us in both yeah. sharing my joys and my, and my burdens and vice versa. Of course. Yeah. So what, one of the, um, I'd say the, the biggest subject, and I, you know, I talked to hundreds, literally hundreds of, um, denominational network leaders, church leaders over the past 16 months and disciple making discipleship comes up over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and it, and it's almost like, uh, you know, like the word community, you know, it means everything, you know, it, it, it kind of depends on who you're talking to, but w- what does, what part does community play um, in our disciple making? And, and I like your quote, you have a quote from the um, book that says, we cannot settle about, and this kind of tests on what we were just talking about. Yeah. We cannot settle for knowing about others. Mm-hmm. We have to truly know them to love them well. So kind of it, explain that in, in, in the context of, of disciple making, making disciples, what, what role that is, does community play in that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it plays, you know, <laughs> every possible role. Uh, community is so necessary for discipleship. Um, you're right. We mentioned this already a minute ago, but um, it, it is so rare that there's an individual command um, in, in the scriptures. And we, we, we tell our own church this um, as, as often as we can, you know, the, the Christian faith is a personal faith and yet it is not an individual faith. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's just a reframing of what's been said a lot. You can't love God without loving his bride, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And, and all of that is so true. Um, but it goes further than that. Um, to say, I follow Jesus is also to say, I'm dependent on something outside myself mm-hmm you know, both objectively, the one time, the salvation piece for those of us who follow Jesus. Um, but it's also to say that same need is true every day of my life. And so the, the spirit dependence we talk about is a reminder that I can't do this on my own. Um, and, and so loving the church or pursuing the one another commands or living this countercultural give and take and receive and bless and that kind of stuff is, is, is yet another just microcosm glimpse of, of what we know to be true. If we're really honest, although it's just, it's, it's out of, it's out of our culture, uh, cultural norm to admit that we can't do this on our own. Um, but our dependence on others is a reflection of our dependence on, on God. Yeah. The, the, um, and, and for those of you, I'm going to get into a, a specific, specific day in this book here, but uh, Ben and Moody are going to give away 10 copies of the book. And so for the first 10 people that will email Ben at Ben at saturate the world.com. It is .com, right? It is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so ben at saturate the world.com. And Brooks, if you'll put that uh, in the chat for the first 10 people that uh, email Ben, uh, you will get a free copy of the field guide for genuine community, which I highly recommend. Uh, but it, I want to want to continue this um idea of disciple making in day 12 you touch on something i've not seen anywhere else Uh which and and well and i think part of the reason it resonated with me is because i've i've had this angst about uh first of all i love i i love how at least what i'm seeing the church in the in the west pushing into disciple making i mean really working to understand i mean i've done uh, I, I, I mean, I was just for a while I was blown away at how many vocational pastors weren't intentionally disciple making anybody. And a lot of them were saying, hey, I've never been discipled. I don't know what that looks like. And, and I think that certainly um, 
that, that you know, part of the role of community is, I, I remember you mentioned Jeff Anderson. I remember Jeff saying one time, you'd be careful discipling someone on your own yeah, because they have a, there's a better chance to look like you than Jesus. Yes. Where in disciple making in the context of community, they have a better chance of, of looking like Jesus. But here's in day 12, you talk about it, it called growing up together. You talk about this idea of not not using phrases like she's mature, he's immature, but you you talk about a, a bar graph. Yeah. And I've um and and I've, I that really resonated with me. So I, I I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. I I feel like you know the stages that we have have you know um of maturity that we've talked about in in some settings I think are good. And again, it's all of that is good, but it just felt to me like something was missing. And and this, this I think, gives a fuller understanding. And so can you just flesh that out for us? Yeah, please? sure. Uh, it either gives a fuller understanding or it's a minor heresy. So it's it's one of the two. <laughs> well, let, let's share it and then we'll let yeah. people decide for them. You to can decide. Maybe we can do a quick poll afterwards. I mean, yeah. we did. We prayed before this call that the Holy Spirit re- redeem anything that we say, tailor what we say to the individuals. So, yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So on, on one side, there, there is uh, the longer we walk with Jesus and walk deeply with Jesus, hopefully we look more and more like him. And so that is kind of a more holistic, uh, you know, more holistic statement. Um, it's not always true, but, but the longer we walk in independence and Christ likeness, we, we look more like Jesus. Um, the point that I tried, and I had to look up day 12, I was like, oh, what's, what's Bill about to ask me? So um, <laughs> on, on day 12, what, we, what, I, what I mentioned is we do, you know, Bill captured this really well of saying a lot of time we, we say she's mature or he's not mature as if we're saying, you know, she's dark haired or he's middle-aged. It's, it's kind of this objective across the board. One person is more mature than, than another person. And in my experience, I've, I've, talked with folks who would be in that mature category, who, if we're stereotyping, they're, they're often older. I'll, I'll call them wiser so that, that you know, we don't want to get into ageism here. So I, I they're more, appreciate that. yeah, there you go. go yeah. They're more seasoned like Bill. Um, and, and they've talked about the pressure that, that they feel um, even maybe having to, to put on some facade of hiding some of their own struggles or sins or deficiencies from the less seasoned or younger or folks who are asking them, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? It's a really sad pressure that they feel. And, and some of it's undue to be fair. Um, but, but, but if they're looked at as mature or wise or godly, as if it's this blanket statement, then, then I think I understand why they feel they have to put on this facade. Um, and so I'm, I'm, this is probably a terrible thing to try to do on a webinar. Um, what, what we tried to capture, and Moody has some good graphic graphic folks, but we tried to capture like what if what if instead of less mature to more mature in all of life, we started to realize that all of us are more gifted, more mature, more experienced, more seasoned in some aspects of Christian life, but we're all not perfect. We're, we're all, we all have deficiencies still. And part of why God makes us a body, this is the day 12 is based in Ephesians 4. So, so we grow up in every way into Christ, who's the head, as we speak truth in love, one with another, that follows the kind of well-used framework that, that I know exponential camps out on a lot of, you know, some are gifted as apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And, and I think what, what Paul is trying to capture here after looking into that to try to guard against being heretical um, is, is that we need one another because I'm, I may be better at shepherding today than I was 10 years ago, but that's because camp and Kathy, my two neighbors and Chris and Matt, who are elders with me because they're better shepherds than I am. And I've spent time learning from them. Um, and so I may, I may be, you know, silly numbers here, but I may have been 40% good at shepherding 10 years ago. Now I'm 48% good at shepherding, but it's because those ladies and men have, have, have impacted my view, but I still probably shouldn't lead out into the shepherding efforts of salt and light. Um, There's someone who is more mature in that area, but guess what? There, there may be less mature in spirit dependence and maybe I'm a little bit more mature in that. And so it's just, it's this give and take that when we see our need for all of us together, bringing our gifts to bear so that the entire body grows up into Christ, who's the head, 
I, I think that's a, that, that could be a better way to view it than just, Oh, well, he was 30% mature when he was in his twenties and he's now 70% mature now that he's in his sixties. So feel free to. Uh, that that was, yeah, that was really, I think that the re, part of the reason that resonated with me, I have a, um, a very close friend over 40 years now for a long time. He was not a Christ follower, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully to, uh, uh, his first wife who died of breast cancer, who really was the one that led him to the Lord. But, um, but he, even before as a Christ follower, was more welcoming of all people mm-hmm. um, than the vast majority of Christians I knew. And I wrestled with that. I'm like, here's, you know, he, you know, he doesn't believe right then that yes. Jesus was the Son of God and mm-hmm. that, and put his faith in Christ in that pact. Yet you know, was demonstrating some really mature, what we, you know, from the outside, would look like mature Christianity, you know, the way that he would just welcome everyone and was, was drawn to. And, and so I think that's, that's why I think this idea of, of of the different facets uh, could be really helpful, not only um, in, in discipling, but just, you know, for ourselves, you know, God, where, you know, where is it that you need, that you need me to grow? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I've gotten, you know, this is the hard part of putting a book out is that, you know, uh, life and faith are iterative. And so uh, I've, I've thought more about this concept than, than what's in the book um, since, since the deadline was, you know, half a year ago now. Um, I, remember, I remember asking Len Sweet, uh, I remember somebody asked him, uh, when do you know when a book is done? He goes, a book is never done. I just have publishing deadlines. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point on on this specific topic, um, th- there's there's even more tie-in, I think, between, you know, we get into spiritual gifts tests or spiritual gifts lists or that kind of stuff. And and I, I you know, I, I based that day in Ephesians 4, like I said, which lists a few gifts, apostolic gifts, prophetic gifts, teaching gifts, et cetera. Um, but, but I think like if we played out all the different gifts in, in the scriptures, then, then you could have that again, we should never do this because it makes, it it tries to calculate our, you know, level of faith or, um, dependence or generosity. You can't, you can't quantify that on a bar graph. Um, but, but it does make it feel like there's just dozens of different aspects of walking with Jesus and, um, and what Christianity and discipleship look like and that we need folks who are so much more seasoned, stronger, more gifted, um, whether they've grown into it or whether the spirit just happens to have blessed them with that specific part of faith. I need those folks for my discipleship. Um, one of the, one of the hardest things that I have to convince folks who are in my own small group, missional community, DNA group, whatever we want to call them, house group, whatever, um, is that even though I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, pastor in our church. I'm an elder in our church. I'm a servant leader in our church. I need their giftings as, as much as, if not more than they need mine, even though I have a title as silly as that sounds and they don't like we live in such a titled hierarchical kind of world that, that I have to convince them like, Hey, you're actually better at a lot of walking with Jesus than I am. Um, and and I need you. I'm I'm a sheep before I'm a shepherd and we need to shepherd one another. Yeah. Yeah. There's more to cover on that, but I, I really, I love, I, I just thought that was just such um, a fuller way of looking at it. I mean, even if you took, you know, the fruits of the spirit in Galatians, you know, yeah. and, and use that for a period of time in your community yeah. and say, Hey, we're, you know, and asking God to, to speak into that. But, but I want to, I want to move on to the, the issue of mission because I mentioned on the front end, you know, how impactful summer was to me and, when Sandra came in that evening, it, it, it was how they had loved that public high school so well. Yeah. And were so trusted by that public high school that they, they were praying on the sidelines for healing, that they you know, had just been so welcomed that now she's on this committee to help select the next football coach for, again, this public high school. That, that mission, that, I mean, that, it was such a beautiful, beautiful expression of, of mission. And, and I remember thinking back back then, or even even before then, I would see churches that had really robust small group ministries, robust in the sense of percentage of people, percentage of of weekend gathering attendance in small groups, but there was still something missing. And I and I realized that it was this mission piece. And so it, it, that seems, in my mind, to be the missing link in a lot of um, small group 
you know, uh, kind of things, but uh, yeah. share how community and, and, and what you brought out in the book here, how that, how does that help communities live on mission and why is that an important aspect of community? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that we'd get into this topic knowing your bent and mine. Um, maybe it has something to do with our shared initials that we, that we believe so strongly. In. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, so going back to that image that we just talked about of all the different areas of discipleship, um, so often discipleship is put on one shelf and then mission is put on another. And, um, if, if we're looking at even, even those five apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, the, the evangelists, the, even in some way, even the prophet, I guess all of those could, could be bent toward evangelism, um, toward mission. And, uh, if, if, a, if a group is only called to, to care for itself, um, then, then somehow it's going to, it's going to be the dead sea. Just everything flows in and nothing flows out. Um, and this is where, again, family imagery can be helpful, because um, in the same way that every church could trace its lineage to some other church that started it, some other church started that church, you know, whether by, by split or sin, to be fair, but, but none of us just appeared, you know, um, in the same way, like we can, most of us tra- trace our own spiritual lineage, you know, Dave Fuquay um, was along with my parents and other peers when I was in high school and into college, like a huge piece of of my own faith journey. I don't think I was a follower of Jesus until I was in college and two years into being a youth pastor for the record, which is not the ideal. I saw that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I wonder how often that happens, but yeah, uh, I mean, on my seminary campus, I, I observed that I was not the only one to, uh, to go in that backwards order. Um, but God, God used ministry yeah. to, to redeem me. And I'm grateful for it. Um, but, but we can all trace kind of some of our, our own lineage, of, of coming into the family of God. Um, and, and so mission is just, it, it's not mission over here, discipleship over here. It's, it's mission as one of those many aspects of discipleship. And if we believe that, and if we believe that we're a family together, then all of a sudden kind of the well-known quote from Leslie Newbegin that I'll summarize, probably not quote exactly, but like that, that community is the greatest apologetic for the gospel just becomes a natural part of what we do together. Um, I think, and I, I'm curious to know if you've seen this with the underground um, as well, but, but there's, there's been folks who have called us, you know, called myself or another, another servant leader in salt and light um, said, Hey, you know, we have someone who doesn't know Jesus coming to our group tonight. How should we change everything for them? And, and, and occasionally there are things like, well, don't, you know, don't use the big theological word and assume they know what they're talking about. And, you know, um, maybe don't ask who are you on mission to, because someone's going to be like that that guy, right? So, you know, maybe there's a couple of things to avoid, but by and large, we said, don't, don't change much. Um, Because if we're truly living out this countercultural you know, I'm caring about somebody else's children um, and not just ignoring them because uh, those are your kids, not my kids. Or if we're truly about sharing food or if we go beyond sharing food and go like, hey, somebody actually has a financial need and people whip out their, I was going to say checkbooks, but that doesn't happen. People whip out their, their Venmos now. Um, okay, Venmo, yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, like there's something that just doesn't happen. Um, and, and so we, we have an opportunity to display this countercultural care for one another that then doesn't stop at the Christian, non-Christian divide. Um, I can care for you and invite you to help care for me, even if turns out, even if you don't know Jesus. And, and that can be a really tangible way of displaying something that, again, it sounds silly, but, but maybe not. It, it makes somebody go, why would you do that? Or why would you forgive someone who, you know, was on the other side of the Facebook battle with you? Um, like common culture says you ghost them, you unfriend them, that kind of stuff. What would it look like to display it coming toward? And, and just again, like in our words, in our actions, we have the opportunity in community to display that there is something bigger than us that matters beyond the Sunday for an hour. Yeah. So entering into lives, entering into mission fields, the football team that you mentioned, um, both with our words and our actions, I think we have something to display and declare that 
that if we can do so in light of a watching world that frankly doesn't have the best view of the church right now, maybe we can be part of God redeeming not only them, but also uh, our culture's view of what followers of Jesus are yeah. about. And maybe you can share a little bit more specifically about how this book helps to um, keep the group from being inward focused. I mean, what, what you just shared about when someone has a financial need and people, you know, when, if, if anybody's ever experienced that, it, it yeah. really is powerful. And, and at first you think there's going to be this, oh, they're going to feel that it, it just deepens a sense of community. But there, but you can still be inward focused. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I really believe that Ephesians 2.10 was meant for every one of us. So all of us, we all have the same primary calling to be disciples, make disciples as we're going. But we all have a unique secondary calling. And, and part of disciple making is helping people live into that. What, what are some of the things that you talk about in the book that, that keep it from being entirely inward focused, but actually look to, to, to serving the community, serving where, where they feel like God's called them? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that we talk about in, in the book is uh, that if, there, if, if we can boil community down, and again, this is probably overgeneralized for the sake of um, our few minutes we have left, but uh, true community knows each other deeply and supports each other uh, in discipleship, which then includes mission. And so, again, if we see mission as, as a subset of the bigger category of discipleship and growing up in Christ, um, then, then there's just, just tons of ways to do that. You know, we can, we can enter as a community into the local, you know, for Sandra and then was high school for us, it's our kids elementary school that they're going back to after a year of not going <laughs> to that school and, you know, to, to be neighborly and to, to care with one another about the same neighborhood. Um, one of the, one of the things we did with Moody again, to try to make this a tangible resource is the subtitle is, uh, 25 days and 101 ways to move from facade to family. And those 101 ways, several of them, everything from, um, you know, again, caring about somebody else's kids to lending someone your car, not just for an hour, but until, until, until they, their car is fixed. Even if that means we take the sacrifice and take an Uber and, you know, again, it seems small, but all of these things are just countercultural. Um, I think that maybe the biggest thing, this goes back to the devotion we talked about, is having the boldness to prayerfully ask the spirit, what would you have me do, both in community and then as a community on mission, and then being willing to take the risk to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we ha- we're really hesitant of. Everyday followers of Jesus are waiting for their church leaders. Church leaders are, leaders are waiting for some sort of affirmation or, or, or um, you know, being able to, 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 to point to someone who's already done that or that kind of stuff. And I think we're in this waiting game of both community and then community on mission. What would it look like to be the first to walk into the elementary school and go, I've got five people and we just want to serve your back to school bash. How can we serve? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I happened to be on a call with a guy by the name of Timothy Moore. It was really a neat conversation. And he started a, uh, uh, a cowboy ministry, a ministry, several cowboy churches in the Northwest. And it turns out that the, in the Northwest, in the Seattle area, there are more indoor um, horse riding facilities than anywhere else in the world. And they, that's how, what they did. They started up started just going in and saying, how can we serve? Yeah. And out of that, you know, as people asked why they were able to share their faith and churches were, were birthed out of that. And, um, and, and it's, I, I think sometimes too, um, People think it has to be something really big, really, really dramatic. And and oftentimes it is. Oftentimes people are called to do some amazing things. But but would you would you say would you agree that more often than not, maybe it's it's right where right where you're at, where you already live, work, learn and play? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hey, that's you know, that's part of Saturate's mantra is is everyday discipleship where you live, eat, work and play. Um, But but yeah, I mean, I think there's been so much more both community and mission back to an earlier conversation, what's happened during COVID, um, you know, as, as a, as a neighborhood, I've, I've seen this on our street. We have, we have a, a street that dead ends into a train track. Um, and there's a few folks who, you know, especially at the beginning of COVID were very fearful, didn't want to leave their house, didn't have access to groceries. Again, not, this is not limited to our street. Um, but when a, a group of 
followers of Jesus and a couple other folks who weren't followers of Jesus committed to try to, you know, hey, we're going to go to the groceries, let me know, and just kind of set up a weekly or bi or semi-weekly, every half week or so, you know, rotation of I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm happy to bring you whatever you need. And then especially for some of the Christians to go beyond that and go, and we're not going to make you pay for it. Like we're going to, you're already stressed enough. Let us bless you in some small way. And, and they're just very, I mean, simple, intentional, but simple open doors all around us. Um, yeah. Paul talks about praying for in Colossians four. I think Paul talks about praying for open doors to declare the mystery of the faith. And I wonder how many open doors there are individually, but even more so for a, a community of, of Christ followers. If we just stop and go, God, what would you have me do today? Um, and maybe it is, you know, we're going to buy, you know, new helmets for the entire football team. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be, I'm going to buy, you know, a, a six pack of soda for my neighbor who needs a six pack of soda and just not ask him to pay for it. Yeah. And they'll go, that seems odd. Why yeah. Do you- yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. I, man, there's so many things I want to get to, but I, I, bef- I want to make sure I get to this question before we go. There's a, an, another, uh, a number of quotes that I love out of the book, but th- this one in particular, while my relationship with God is personal, it is not individ- individualistic. And yeah. so I, I want you to flesh that out a little bit because there's a, um, and we've even touched on this bef- a little bit in the earlier part of our conversation, but there is, there's an uh, individualistic aspect to, you know, to the U.S. in particular, in the West. Yeah. You pull yeah. yourself up by your boots and th- th- that is really good. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a but, sure. but so much of the Bible was written for community. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in reading it through individualistic eyes, I think we miss uh, so many things. So talk about what you mean by that, that my relationship with God is not, it is personal, but it's not individualistic. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is a both and. and. And again, I think that this is, this is true of a lot of areas of faith where it's not left or right. You know, it's, it's, it's some, somewhere in the middle. And so um, I think what we have to capture is the fact that our, my relationship with Jesus um, and, and the spirit and the father is something that is, it is deeply personal. Um, and if I cannot relate to God, um, except through others, then, then there is something missing. I think that, that, that there's a separation there that's either birthed out of maybe fear or shame that, that somehow I don't want to come close to God. There's something from my past that feels like it's keeping me from God. Um, maybe my relationships is based on knowledge. And so I have to go through some other teacher or that kind of stuff, um, that there is a, you know, perhaps overused phrase, but like being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing what he did kind of stuff. There is, there is just a withness there. There's an abiding in Christ that is a deeply personal thing. And I experience God differently than Jess does. And, and she teaches me a lot about God through her personal relationship that, that is different than the way that I'm specifically wired. And yet, even in that, we recognize the other side that, that I need her perspective to make me more holistically developed as a disciple. And that's true of our marriage. That's also true because I'm an arm in the body of Christ, not a hand, and she might be a leg in the body of Christ and not an arm. And you're a, you're a head in the body of Christ. Jesus is the only head, but you're, you know, you're a, a head Shorter. in the body of Christ and you're not a torso, you know, and, and on and on we could go um, of just saying like, there's, there's so many perspectives. Um, I think a, a, a really hard, but good thing that's come out of this past year is that Christians are starting to, to listen to each other. Well, <laughs> Some Christians are starting to listen to each other as far as their different views on, on justice and ethnic diversity and this kind of stuff. Again, not that we haven't in the past, but there's at least been an overt spotlight shined on it that, yeah. that cannot be ignored anymore. Um, and, and if we recognize just, just using those two, again, kind of put it on the spectrum of all the different parts of discipleship, that justice is a huge part of our faith, then, then a lot of folks are being shaped into that that they haven't been before. And they may never come across that individually, but if we're open and humble, we recognize we need others who are gifted and experienced and maybe, maybe sadly have had to deal with some of those issues before to help grow our own faith in that. 
So personal relationship, but never intended to be, never allowed really to be individual. Right. That's, that's really good. As you were, you were talking, the, the word that came to my mind was humility, that there's a, it's, it's, um, it's individualistic if, if there's no humility, if it, you know, can be individual, but with humility and being able to accept what other people say and speaking into your life and being able, you know, being willing to be wrong, being willing to um, hear, you know, other people's perspectives and be able to hold that and not have to, not have to disagree and, and how that continues to, to shape it. Cause uh, yeah, so much, so many things are not just um, binary, but man, I'm, um, I'm looking at the time here and I'd love to have <laughs> another and we'll get some time together here, hopefully in the not too distant future, but uh, I am uh, so grateful for, um, um, I have a, I like how my call let my phone lets me know when it's scam calls coming in. But, yes, uh, exactly. Um, so you yeah. just got a phone yeah. call in a webinar. So that, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do like that aspect of this. You know, it is, it's like, real life. I mean, I literally, I'm glad we didn't, I didn't lose power, you know, but sure. we had a thunderstorm come through here that made the lights flicker. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm so grateful for you and the work that you've done, not only with this book, Field Guide for Genuine Community, but the other handbooks you've done. And I would encourage all of you, um, certainly reach out to Ben at Ben at saturatetheworld.com with any questions you have. Visit saturatetheworld.com. Um, the resources there are amazing. Jeff Anderson's written some uh, gospel fluency. It's just, you know, it's really some, uh, some amazing work. I just couldn't recommend highly enough. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just really grateful for that. And, Ben, it was, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to just, you know, kind of having this time together. And we, a bunch of other people just kind of sat in and, listen to, but uh, yeah, much of this conversation is exactly what we would have done if we'd have showed up at a coffee shop together this morning. And yeah, you know, maybe someday the Lord will allow us to live in the same community, but uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. And thank Exponential and thank everybody for, for giving us part of yeah. your day today. Um, it's an yeah. honor to get to have this conversation with you guys. Good to be with you all. Have a good day.